My guest this week, Chris Fisher, set a world record by logging over 400,000 vertical feet over the month of October, winning the MaxVert Challenge of 2021. Chris is a young 26 years old and pretty new to the running and ultra running scene. He lives in Breckenridge, Colorado, and we chat about all the trials, tribulations, and injuries he faced during his world record month. He logged over 500 miles. He averaged between 13 and 18K of vert every day. This is a conversation you're not going to want to miss. Keep your eye on this guy. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing. If you need coaching, pacers, crewing for your ultramarathon next year, get us on the books. Whether you're new to the sport or an elite, we've got someone for you. You can find everything at big-things-crewing.com. If you'd like to support us, our mission, or be a part of the Do Big Things tribe, we are on Patreon. For the price of a cup of coffee, you can support us for a month. Please, you guys. I can't do this without you. Patreon.com slash do big things. This podcast is also brought to you by Athletic Brewing, On Pace Wellness, and Exoskin. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'm going to get you guys some discount codes for items and services that are just going to enhance your outdoor adventures. All right, you guys, put your hands together for this year's winner of the Max Vert Challenge and world record holder, Chris Fisher. Yeah, baby. This is the Do Big Things Podcast, where we want to inspire you to do big things. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing, a service for ultra runners from beginner to elite. Not only can we get you trained up, but we can also crew you into the finish line. Find us at big-things-crewing.com. Now, here is your host, Adam McRoberts. Right outside. Oh, nice. That looks comfy. Oh, yeah. Got the you mountains in the background. Do you live in Breckenridge? I do. Nice. How long have you been there? Uh, a little over two years, a couple months. Okay. Nice. A months change. Yeah, man. What, what about yourself? What, what, I live in Boulder, man. Um, oh, I've been yeah. in Boulder for just about nine years or so, so quite a while. Um, cool. but yeah, we're both, we're both in Colorado. We both know the mountains. Uh, we're both living the mountain life. I'm guessing. Oh yeah. Um, what brought you to Breckenridge? Um, you know, a handful of things. I grew up coming out here my entire life. My uncles lived here for about 30 years. So I was fortunate to be able to grow up, come out here to ski and, you know, hike in the summers and stuff like that. So I always knew that I wanted to be here at some point. And then I ended up getting out of the Navy a few years back and just decided I wanted to go straight here. And that's what I did. Just packed up and came right here to the mountains. Yeah. Why Colorado? I mean, were you, have you always been an outdoorsman? Yeah. For the most part, you know, I played sports growing up and there wasn't, I'm from Texas originally. Right. So there's not a whole lot to do in the outdoors in the city for the most part. So 
I've just always enjoyed being in the mountains and skiing. And all I really knew was Colorado from growing up and coming here. And so I just came straight here because of that. Nice. Were you doing a lot of running uh, before you moved to Colorado or did Colorado sort of like open up this new world for you? You know, I grew up running track and cross country. So I did those for, you know, my younger years going into high school, out of high school. And then I actually joined the Navy to try to become a Navy SEAL. I went through buds, buds training and quit in hell week was the, uh, I don't even know what the word is for it, but I ended up quitting hell week and, you know, training for that and going through all that kind of stuff. It's just, it increased my fitness a lot and got me back into running and, you know, wanting to push myself both physically and mentally. Definitely. And so I ended up moving here and just already being in it, you know, I was already training for a marathon before I moved here, came out here, ran my first trail marathon like a month later and, yeah, you know, it opened up a huge world uh, just with the mountains and, you know, trails and not running on concrete. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, brother. Yeah. Um, so uh, the reason I wanted to have you on the show is, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was a world record you just set, right? Yes, sir. A world record for 400,000 vertical feet in the month of October. Oh, Yeah. Dude, that's a lot of vertical <laughs> feet. Like I do a lot of yeah. hiking, a lot of running. I know what 2000 feet looks like and how long that yeah. takes. Right. So I know oh, yeah. that this is just a massive, massive project. Um, going back, are, are you like a pretty um, skilled ultra runner? Have you done a bunch of ultra marathons or you're only like 26 years old? Right. So like, yep. where, where are you at on this journey? You know, this is really just the beginning for me. I've really? been running, running since I've been here in Colorado. I did the Max Bird thing with Cirque Series last year. And, you know, I've done several ultra distances in my training, like 40 miles plus. And, like my biggest day ever was my birthday last year, 25K with like 45 miles. Mm. And so, you know, I haven't really done any actual races besides uh, a trail marathon that was a little bit further than a marathon. It wasn't quite a 50K, but a little bit further than just the standard marathon. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm just started digging it, digging into it and I'm loving it. That's kind of my thing and running far in the mountains is really where I'm at. So that's kind of where I've been focusing on. Nice. Nice, man. So do you have races that you're looking at in the future or aren't you really even at that point yet? Or where are you at there? Yeah. You know, I've got some races I want to do next year, like the Leadville 100. Uh, I'd like to do that. You know, I'd really like to do it the lab man style and do all the races combined throughout the summer. Yep. So that would be ideal. You know, I'm also going to be running the majority of the Cirque Series races, which they're not quite, you know, ultras. They're shorter, just almost VKs. You know, it's anywhere from five to eight miles with two to 4,000 feet of vert, depending on location. So those are a lot of fun. I did them all last or this past summer and they're a good time. But yeah, you know, Leadville is kind of one of my big, uh, big eye openers is what I want to do. Uh, other than that, you know, I just have big peak projects. Like I want to do Nolan's 14. That's my biggest goal for this next summer. Wow. Those, those kinds of things are what interest me, interest me a little more than the racing. I mean, I, I really love the racing and the competitive aspect, but I also like going out and, you know, linking up big mountains and doing it myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same, man. Um, I like racing and I love the race. I, I love Leadville. It's my favorite race. I've done yeah. it a couple times and 
I generally don't like big races, but there's something about Leadville, even though it's a big race, there's just something about it. That's just so enticing. And it just draws yeah. you in. It's like the Leadville family or something. I just love everything about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. You know, my uncles both, uh, and my cousin, actually, they've all raced the mountain bike series probably five years in a row now. And my, one of my uncles, I think closer to 10. And so it's like, I'm the kind of the runner guy in the family, not the biker. I yeah. can bike, but it's like, I, I'd rather go and run it and do that whole shebang. Totally. Well, yeah. if you're going to do lead, man, you might want to brush up on your mountain biking skills between. Yeah, that and that. <laughs> you're very right. You're very right. Oh, <laughs> uh, have you uh, put some scouting in on the Nolan's line? Yeah. So, you know, originally I was planning on doing it this past summer and I pushed it back because I sprained my ankle multiple times. Mm. And one of them was right before I was going to shoot my attempt. And so I pushed that back, but yeah, I've been out there. I've put quite a bit of hours into scouting the route and I'm going to do the same thing again before I actually give another attempt next year. Yeah. So yeah. I know the majority of the route, pretty much by heart you know it's pretty straightforward for the most part it is I've, I've spent a bunch of time out there um do you plan on going south to north or north to south south to north south to north okay yeah it seems like that's the more popular way nowadays yeah like i don't know exactly why but i know like going up tabawash is probably a little bit more difficult coming from the north side just because of the scree fields it's either you go up the scree fields you go around and add a few extra miles you know yeah well plus you can get princeton knocked out on the first day rather than that being on your second yeah. day of no sleep and you, it's usually yeah. at night going north to south too so yeah i mean that's almost the big crux of the whole thing is just getting princeton knocked out and, and being safe at the end of that for day. sure uh, yeah uh, that's and cool, you know man. the goal the goal is to crack joey's fkt that's what i really want to do oh no way yeah holy yeah, that's, shit that's okay. the plan that is stout dude that is stout i've had joey on the podcast right after he set the oh, record yeah. very cool yeah he's dude is legit man so for sure okay and so i, I know I, get, I know he put in the work you know he, he definitely put in the work Oh, dude, he's a stud. Not, there's no other, yeah. there's no way you can get around that. He's a stud. So, For okay, sure. man. So I'm getting to know you a little bit better. So you must be pretty fast if, if that's, <laughs> if that's what you're looking at. I'm decently quick. Um, when okay. I was scouting Shavano, Tabwash, and Antero, I got an FKT on that first three peak line by just a few minutes really? and no wasn't, wasn't pushing like super hard. So that was kind of cool. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I move at about 2K an hour, give or take, depending on the terrain. So okay. up and down. Nice, nice. Which I think it's decent. You know, I'm not like running, I'm not going to be probably running up these 14ers. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Power hiking pretty fast, but that's kind of how that goes, I feel like. Well, I guess when I saw what you had just done uh, through the Max Vert Challenge in October, I just assumed that you were just a Vert guy and you spent a lot of time just going up and down. And that was your thing. That was what you're good at. But it sounds like you've got some speed under you as well. So yeah. you've got like the best of both worlds, man. You're 26 years old. You've got speed. You've got, you know, the, the tenacity and ability to go out in the mountains for long, long amounts of time and, and gain uh -huh. freaking 400,000 vertical feet in a month. <laughs> That's insane, man. So thanks, brother. It sounds like you're at a at a prime spot in your life to like just light this thing up. Exactly, man. I'm 
so stoked on what the future holds and just getting back after training and really seeing what happens within the next few years, you know? Yeah. Cool, man. Well, good for you. Where did this all come from with you? Like, have you, I mean, you mentioned you were trying to get into the Navy SEALs and I'd love to talk about that, but have you always been into sports and stuff? You said you did some sports when you were a kid, but like, where does this passion and this drive come from? Like, I guess what I'm trying to ask is like, what's your why? My why, you know, it kind of stems from a few things. So yeah, I grew up running track, cross country, playing football, and I really loved being active. Like that was just my thing. Also grew up coming out here to ski and I really enjoyed that. That was easily my favorite thing growing up. So getting out of the mountains has always been huge for me whenever I was able to. But going through training for buds and the steel training and all that kind of stuff, which is really difficult. Um, really just opened my eyes and mind to what there is out there and what I can, you know, grasp with both mental and physical limits and abilities. So quitting in hell week was probably one of the worst things I've ever done, both mentally, mainly mentally. I just put myself in mental health for quite a bit of time, feeling like that dude that said he's going to do something big and then not do it, you know? And so ever since then, I've always just wanted to, push my physical and mental limits as far as possible with anything I do. And that's always been the, the whole main why. And that's also hopefully motivating and inspiring others to do the same, get out of their comfort zones and realize that there's more to just sitting around, you know, you okay. can actually get out and do stuff. Yeah. And it's all about just getting up and trying. Yeah, totally. And you're right. Inspiring people to do the same is like, where you take this, you know, that's like the yeah. next step. The evolution of this whole thing is inspiring exactly. people to do the same thing and sort of passing that knowledge along. So I feel like your head's in the right spot, man. That's, it's pretty cool. I've done Thank a lot you. of reading and research on the Navy SEALs because I'm always interested in their mindset and just how they are just so insane. They're like, they're like, you know, they can, they can meditate like the highest monks on the mountain or they can yep. get in there and take care of business like no other badass around. You know, they, they have sort of all skill levels to go in and handle whatever situation is in front of them. Um, what, what initially attracted you to the Navy SEALs? And, and I'm also curious, like, what your training was leading up to Hell Week. Yeah, man. Uh, the attraction was just being that guy that was harder than everybody else, you know, that did harder things push themselves and it was just all around a beast you know uh i was mentored by a few of my dad's friends that were former navy seals while mm -hmm. i was getting ready to train and so gotcha. they kind of instilled a, a pretty solid mind space of like what it takes to become one and so, something fell apart at one point how week, and that's just how that goes and there's a couple of good things that one of my uh, former mentors was telling me you know he's like I never wanted you to make it through Hell Week mainly because you needed something to break you down and put you in the ground so you can realize that there's a lot more to the whole aspect of things. And if I wouldn't have made it through, I wouldn't be where I'm at now with, you know, the world record and doing the endurance things that I'm doing now. And so using that to just get broken down and grow has really been huge. But uh, training wise, you know, Going into it, we did all kinds of like two a day, three day training, whether it be swimming with a, a mix of body, body weight workouts, running with the body weight workouts, swimming and running back and forth. But man, buds was an ass kicking for sure. So, you know, <laughs> leading up to hell week, it was, it was pretty wild, you know, uh, 
we did a lot of running with boats in our head. You have a seven man crew, maybe six, depending on how many people are in the class at the time, but you're running around with like 300, 350 pound boats in your heads through soft sand, just getting absolutely beat to the ground. I mean, horrible pain. <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> and then you got log PT, which, you know, your seven guys have like a 150 pound log, if I remember correctly. And you're just doing squats for 30 minutes or lunges for 30 minutes or overhead presses back and forth for however long. And it's like an hour and a half to two hour long beating of just logs. And that was really not fun. (laughs) And then, I mean, that's just part of it. You know, the whole first part of buds leading in a hell week is pretty much to seeing who's the tough dudes and who's not and who can push mentally and who can get past the physical for the most part. It's like, you know, we did, we did surf torture, which we were a class that started in February. So we had the coldest waters of the year and man, it was, it was like 46 degree water and we, you know, we'd lay in it for 15 minutes, get out, be shivering like a mofo and then have to hop right back in, do that whole shebang. I mean, it was a long strenuous amount of effort and work and, you know, don't want to make excuses or anything and it just sucks that what happened in hell week happened you know our boat crew was just really weak all seven of us ended up quitting within like 30 or 45 minutes of each other which like doesn't happen and so the whole boat crew just got wiped out half the dudes if that were carrying their weight i mean i was just in a bad place mentally and just didn't think i was going to be able to push past it and when i look back on it it's like I was completely okay. I had no injuries. A lot of these other guys are suffering through stress fractures, whatever else. And I'm just running around just hurting just because I have a boat on my head, you know, and right. feeling like a, just feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. And so it's like instantly when you quit in a situation like that, you feel a hundred percent again. It's like mm-hmm. as soon as I rang the bell, I'm right back in it. And like, I could have kept going, mm-hmm. but I didn't because I quit. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. those feelings are, not very fun. Yeah. Well, I don't want to, to like draw or to sit here and talk about this. If it's like not good feelings for you. Oh man. (laughs) But that being said, like, I'm sure that whatever you went through in hell week that made you decide that you can't go on, I'm sure that you must've learned so much about yourself and your, your mind must've been expanded so much. And you must just realize like, I can push so much further than I ever thought I could. Exactly. And that's kind of where everything stems from that I'm doing now. You know, that's exactly what I learned. Exactly. Those are all the good lessons I learned. And I really do enjoy talking about it because it brings out my part of the story of how I, where I'm at now. You know, I wouldn't be here without all that happening. And I do enjoy talking about it, whether the feelings are bad or not. It's like that already happened, you know? Yeah. It is what it is. Things happen for a reason and I'm here now. So for sure. Yeah. And did you say that was about a few years ago, three years ago or so? Did you say? Yeah, that was, uh, I think that was 2020, That was 2019, I believe. Like the beginning of 2019 is when I was going through buds. Okay. And so I'm looking at you now and you have long hair. I'm guessing that that was like the last time you cut your hair. Pretty <laughs> it much. looks like about three years of hair growth. <laughs> yeah. I haven't cut my hair since. And when I went in, my hair was long as well. It was uh, probably longer than this. Really? And 
they shaved it right off. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so when you are at hell week and you decide to ring the bell and tap out, um, do you have another chance to, to try again? I know people get rolled over for well, injuries and stuff, but do you, are you able to do it again to try hell week again? So once you quit and ring the bell, you're pretty much done. The only way to get back into it and do it again is you go, you serve like a year and a half before you can even put an application back in to even attempt to get another spot at Bud's. And so you got to start the whole process all the way over, earn a contract again. And it's a lot harder once you quit because there's just a lot, there's not a lot of spots for those guys. I mean, they have a handful of people that they'll allow back in and, you know, it just wasn't in my mind space at the time. Like when I quit, I just didn't even think to it years ahead. And I mean, I'd just be starting right now if mm-hmm. I got lucky enough to get back into a class, which I've been talking to a bunch of my old buds and none of them have gotten accepted again. You know, it's like they went through whatever they went through to try to get an application, a packet put back in and none of them are getting back in. Really? And so, you know, I talk to my friends already even SEALs now and they look at the stuff I'm doing. Some of them are pretty jealous because there's not a lot going on in the teams. It's pretty, uh, not, I guess just not where you want to be right now. And the morale is just not very high. So I think I, uh, I think I pulled the right, the right trigger and got out at the right time and made something happen. (laughs) Well, yeah, now you're doing out, you're out there doing these big things, which is impressive, man. I want to hear about this month. Like, yeah, did you for sure. plan from the beginning to do 400,000 vertical feet? Was that your I game did. plan going into it? Okay, it was. It sure was. Okay. And so the, the gentleman who won last year, did he get like 300,000 some odd feet and you were trying to beat that record? Yes, he got 342 and some change. Okay. Okay. A couple hundred feet or so. Yeah. And so how were you looking at this project? Like day one, I'm going to go out and get 10,000 feet and just slowly start stacking it up or yeah. How, like, how did this whole thing happen, man? Yeah, man. So day one went out, started at midnight, 15 K knocked that out before 9. AM. Really my plan was to do 15 K a day all the way through and try to really push it closer to 450, 500, which didn't happen for a lot of reasons. Um, one of those being my training load was really small leading into the month because of my ankle injuries. And so, you know, my, my training weeks were 30 to 40 miles. If that with 10 to 15 K a day or 10 to 15 K a week. And so it's like, I'm coming into the month day one, doing a week's worth of work <laughs> in one day right. and then do it again day two. So I did 15 K day one and two, my knees were just, just trashed destroyed day three hurt real bad i got 10k barely or might have been 12 something like that but day four and five rolled around and it was to the point my knees hurt so bad that i couldn't even walk up or down hill anymore i got 3k day five and pretty much just stopped right there day six took a zero really this guy didn't know didn't know if i was going to keep going or not did had no idea the way my knees felt I've never felt pain like that before in my life. And it had to be some kind of soft tissue, something like that. If I were to guess, maybe tendonitis or whatever, but yeah, I mean, my goal was just to come in hot, bang out 15 K's every day, as long as I could. And really like the goal, the, the plan was to do 15 K six days in a row, do a 10 K day. And then at 28 days, I'd be at 400 with three days left. 
that just didn't happen. (laughs) 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 Just didn't happen at all. And so, yeah, man, you know, knees are hurting. I'm here and brag. I spent the first five days at a hill just right down the road here that I made a trail on last year during the month. And it's like just a short 400 foot hill, about 28 degrees. So it's, you know, pretty steep. I can just rack up vert with less mileage. Right. And, uh, it destroyed my knees. I went to the PT day six. That was my zero day. Talked to a PT. We did a lot of dry needling. I think we probably put in 15 plus needles and it hurt. Worst pain oh, I ever felt. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> dry needling is not yeah. fun to begin with. Especially no. if you're putting it into a, a painful area, man. Yeah. You know, the, the dude was like, yeah, man, the knots you have in your legs and glutes, they're probably some of the worst I've ever seen in an really? <laughs> And I'm like, great. I guess that's what happens when you don't take care of your body for however many years. <laughs> and so, you know, we did that, did some dry needling. And right after that, I just got in my car and drove straight to Salt Lake City, not knowing how I was going to feel the next day waking up. I'd, all I knew is I wanted to be there where more people were taking part in the challenge, where my teammate was, and just in a better environment, a little bit steeper of a trail, but less loose. The trail over here is a lot of loose sticks and rocks. And so I got my truck, drove straight there, sore, real sore from the needles, you know, and didn't know what was going to happen. Didn't know if I was going to wake up the next day and just not be able to walk again or not. Right, and so right. just took a chance, you know. Sure enough, it worked out pretty well. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, man. Take a chance. That's what take it's all about. I mean, you've got yeah. to take a chance in life. You've got to show up in life. And that's when the things happen. And, you yeah. know, they're not going to happen while you're on your couch thinking about it. You got to take a chance no. and gamble once in a while. Exactly. You're wow. 100% correct about that. Okay. So, so if I followed that correctly, you were, you were doing some hiking on some hiking and running on a hill close to you. And then you decided to go where to Utah to, to finish the rest of the month. Yeah. In Utah. Yeah. Okay. I went Salt Lake city. There's okay. a peak right there on the front range called grander, grander yeah. peak. And that's where the dude that won it last year did all of his vert. Okay. And that's where most, I mean, the, the search here is competition. That's where most people are at. And mm-hmm. so everybody that was really putting in like, you know, decent bird was there in grander for the most part. Okay. And so being around community is just kind of a big, big thing and not sitting on a hill by myself all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big motivator. It changes things up for sure. It does for sure. So was there a lot of people out there? Were you making a lot of friends over the month? Oh and, yeah. And made, people knew what you were doing? A lot of people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Even people that were doing the challenge. Like I, sure. I'd recognize and talk with Know, it's got to be at least 20 to 30 people, if not right. more than that, that I saw on like a daily basis almost, you know, right. we talk, chat, give them the update of what's going on. And <laughs> it was great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so are, you're just going up and down grandeur every single day? Pretty much. I get wow. there day, day one, bust out 12 and a half thousand feet with my teammate. We did, uh, felt good. Knees weren't hurting like they were, they were hurting, but to the point where I could still walk and run up, run up and down the hill, you know, yeah. wasn't too crazy. Did that again, did 13 K the next day, 14 K the next day. Knees are still, you know, they're all right. Getting a little better. Did another 13, another 14. So like first six days out there, I put in quite a bit of work on yeah. these knees. And I think come around like day 15, the knee pain just 
went away completely. Really? Nice. Which was awesome. Lucky, you know, those, fir- those, those days that, that was those first six days out there, it was weird. Like I'd have to do like eight to 10,000 feet and my knees would finally warm up and then they weren't hurt at all. So it's like the last three or four K of the day, my knees are perfect. But leading up into that, the knees are hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So were there times in the first week of this where you were wondering if it was even going to happen? Definitely. You know, day four and five, I'm putting in smaller numbers than I was needing and didn't really know what was going to happen. Talking to my dad, talking to my other people that I've been just, you know, that I know a sports system. And some of them are kind of like, well, there's always next year. And I'm sitting here thinking, no, there's not. (laughs) (laughs) We got, we got this year. We already told everything. We told every single person that this is what I'm doing and I got to do it. I got to figure it out. Yeah. And so my uncle, you know, he taught, he told me a bunch of good stuff. Like, man, you got, you got a big shot here. You know, Julian sticking his name out there for you, signing you up for all this stuff. You know, it's a, kind of a big deal at the time. And so I'm just sitting here thinking, well, I don't want to let anybody down. And I really don't want to let myself down. And so I got to try, give it a shot. Like I said, give it a shot, drive out there, see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell yeah. And you gambled and it paid off. Um, yeah. Well, so- it paid off. That's awesome. And it was definitely a painful month. I, I battled quite a bit of more injuries throughout the month. Really? Oh, yeah. So more than just the knees? More than just the knees. Some that were even worse than knees. <laughs> uh, well, gosh, I can only imagine, man. I mean, you racked up like 538 miles throughout this whole month. Does that sound right? So, something like that. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. So I can only imagine things were probably hurting like yeah. <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure was, wow. especially when, you know, you're putting in only 30 or 40 mile weeks leading up into it. Oh, dude. Yeah, that's brutal. Um, so was most of your hiking in the daytime or were you doing a lot at night as well? The majority was daytime. Okay. The only times I'd hike at night would be like if I started too late in the day or I took another nap and just needed extra sleep. Yeah. If I started around, if I started after noon or like after 1 p.m., there's a good chance of spending at least an hour in the dark. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And like some days I started at even three and I'd be spending three or four hours in the dark. Sure. Now, now what are you doing while you're out there? Did, did you have friends out there that you could crash with or were you just dirt bagging it or staying in a motel or what were you doing? Yeah. So gnarly nutrition, who's was one of my support systems sponsors throughout the month, still, you know, a sponsor now, uh, the CEO, he had a good buddy that had a condo there or has a condo there. And he's out, he's been out of town in Mexico for months. And so he reached out to him, told me there is a open spot and I could go crash it. And so I had a whole condo downtown to myself, be able to do all my stuff in the morning after I got done for the day. And it was great. It helped a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. It sounds like the stars just aligned for this to happen. You know, everything worked out. That's beautiful. It did. You know, it's like, I wanted to do the dirt bag thing, but the more I talked to people, the more I realized it's like, I need space to recover, eat, you know, shower, take a crap, you know, everything, you know, yeah. normal things. And yeah. it's kind of hard to do that when you're in the back of the truck hiking for up to nine hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. I've done it, man. And yeah, it's fun. And you look back and have these great memories. Oh, yeah. if, you're, if you're trying to set a world record, dude, get yourself a comfy <laughs> bed in between. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was your like food and, and nutrition strategy out there? I mean, I'm sure you were bringing a lot with you and going through a ton of food and I'm sure you were eating a ton of food when you weren't 
on the trail as well. Oh yeah. So like, what did that look like throughout the month? So I had a good buddy here in town that actually meal prepped a bunch of tubs of food for me that were probably uh-huh. about 4,000 calories a piece. Wow. And I ate those for like a week and a half until I got sick of them. So <laughs> that was great and all, but you know, my daily routine, I was right next to a bakery. I'd go over to the bakery, stack up probably 2000 calories worth of pastries and just sweets just cause I like sweets. And I don't really have a strict diet to begin with. So I just went over there, grabbed a bunch of stuff, ate about 2,000 calories of pastries before every day of hiking, right? And then I would use the gnarly nutritional fuel 2.0, which is 100 calories a scoop and like 12 ounces of water. And I ended up putting three to four scoops and like 16 ounces of water just because I need a lot more calories than just 100. And I would bring close to half a gallon of water every day up there, all full of gnarly. I mean, close to 15 to 1,500 to 2,000 calories worth of fuel 2.0. I'd bring all that with a few honey stingers, just a few solids. And I'd carry it all to a couple bushes that we had as like a little stash spot, I would say. It was probably maybe a quarter mile up the trail, a few hundred feet. And it was just the perfect spot because that's where we lapped the steep areas, you know. And just stashed everything in there. Uh, every hour-ish, I would go down, drink 200 calories, eat 100 calories, and just kind of do that the whole time. Afterwards... It really just depended on what time of the day I finished. And so I didn't spend any time cooking food. I really just went to whatever was open, called in a pizza or burgers or Olive Garden, just pasta, really anything I could get that was a lot of calories. Mm, yeah. So I spent a lot of money on food. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing you had that free condo to live in, right? Yeah. It yeah. Balances each other out there. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you know, gnarly helped out a huge portion. It's like, man, I probably went through over a thousand dollars worth of nutrition. Easy. And that's just more money saved in the bank and so grateful for them for helping out with, you know, the effort and whatnot. Yeah. That's so cool. They're such a cool company. Yeah. They're great. So that's cool, man. So you could just kind of go up and down this thing without carrying a pack or a handheld water bottle because you just had a stash. So you're going up there without carrying anything. Yeah. For the most part, you know, I did a lot of full laps to begin with. When I was doing full laps, I would carry maybe 12 ounces of water with uh, fuel to oak with it. And after like 15 full laps, I realized that the top half of the mountain just not worth really going up and down because it's a lot more technical for the feet, better chance to trash my, excuse me, trash my ankles. And it just is slower both up and down. So we ended up lapping like a, a 1,000 foot section. And that was kind of like where the meat of the whole effort was just this 1,000 foot section on the hill. And I'd do it maybe two times before getting to my stash and eating a little bit and whatnot. Okay. So I'm picturing, uh, uh, like hill repeats that are super, super steep and not quite as technical, like not really loose rock, more of a trail. So you can just go out and you're literally just trying to bang out as much vert as you can. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much all that happened the entire month. And so is that a page out of the book of the gentleman that won this last year? Is that what he did? Yeah, that's okay. pretty much what he did. And I know he did a lot more full laps than I did, but there was a lot spent down low as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, have you talked and to him? And this is a guy, uh, we exchanged some messages here and there. And 
you know, he's really stoked on the effort. Yeah. Yeah, coming from a dude like that, he's a professional ultra runner. The dude's 32 or something like that. He's been doing this for quite some time, and he's really good at what he does. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty cool to hear from him about, you know, how stoked he was that I was able to battle all the injuries and whatnot throughout the month and really just navigate 400,000 feet. No kidding, dude. So we talked about the first week and uh, sort of trials and tribulations there. Um, what came up over the next following weeks? Like you said, there was more injuries. Oh yeah. I mean, was there more doubt? Was there moments where you're like, okay, yeah. I've, I'm way in over my head. This is not going to happen. And then you still get out the next day and get after it. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like that old month. There's especially when I was really hurting. So I think about two weeks in, Right before my knee pain just completely went away, it was a really bad day. I went knees once again, and we're sitting up top of the mountain. We decided to go up top again. It snowed. There's like a foot of snow on the ground. We're just sitting up there. My knees are banging, and I see this Ziploc bag sticking out of the snow, right? So I go pick up the bag. I'm thinking, man, somebody just left the trash up here. I'm like, what the hell? I was completely wrong. The first words of the, uh, the letter said, if you're reading this, this is meant for you. And then it goes in to talk about how this dude named Brandon is battling MS. And that's a pretty, uh, pretty not cool disease or whatever it's, whatever it is to have. And so he just kind of talked about his story and like what his physical battles are and how he wants people like us to, you know, spread our love and our compassion for what we do and especially spread the message of what we're doing to him and help move the letter. And just reading about his story immediately made my knee pain go away. After that, knees were good. Never felt my knees again. And that was really cool to see. And so whenever I'd get into hard times where I'm in pain again, I'd start thinking about that letter, what I read, and Brandon in general, which yeah. is a it was a huge motivation throughout the month. Okay. So did Brandon like hike up this mountain and leave that letter up there? Or did someone hike it up there for him? Or what was that all about? Someone hiked it up there for him. He's okay. been moving letters around for about a year now and it all started with his hospice worker that hiked one up to i don't even know which peak but there's a handful of letters that are circling around out in the mountains and they've gone as far as everest he's been on top of everest twice which is pretty cool and so yeah people you know at the bottom of the letter it says please be my arms and legs carry me wherever you'd like and place me there whoa that's pretty pretty cool yeah it's pretty cool cool Okay. So that was in the second week that you found that? That was right at the end of the second week. Okay. Okay. And that was the end of my knee pain, but the start of some new stuff. (laughs) That was the end of the knee pain. That's interesting that, you know, you suffered that hard and then it just went away. Like you worked through it. That's pretty crazy. It's crazy. Wow. So then what was the next, uh, what was the next nemesis? The next one was calves. Well, okay. specifically one calf, it was from what my coaches say and the way I described it, it was like a soft tissue fascia tear and it was just overuse to overworking. And that hindered me a little bit, I had to limp a lot up and down and walk a certain way to not really feel it. And that went away after like three days of pushing through. And then, you know, it's all the same leg for the most part. That's really bad. And so then my quad on that leg, same thing happens like at the end of a 16k day last lap up top better run down first step downhill my quad is just locking up and it won't let me run mm-hmm. so i'm sitting here thinking there's just no way you know like 
this is the worst pain I've felt yet. Worse than the knees, worse than day five of the knees. And I'm like limping downhill thinking I'm screwed. Like (laughs) this is just not what I need, you know, which that was quite the time. So that was day 20, I believe. Day 20, pushed through it. Well, it, it started at the end of day 20. Day 21, I pushed through it for the most part. Got like 12K. Day 22 is the day before my birthday, and it was really bad that day. And I only did like 5K. I thought, you know, I figured maybe I'll take a rest day, let it kind of heal or at least attempt to heal, and then go bang out whatever I can on my birthday. Mm-hmm. And that's not what happened. <laughs> I was planning on, on I was planning on doing an Everest for my birthday, you know, ah, 29K. Nice. That was my original plan. Last year, I did 25K for turning 25, and so I ah. wanted to go a little bigger this year. Dang. I didn't need I didn't need that much work, but I just wanted to do it for a good boost, you know. Mm. And I get up at 3 a.m. I start my first lap. First lap leg is just screwed. I'm sitting there thinking, God damn it. So I get down, I go and lay in my truck for about three and a half hours, just napping, not really knowing what I'm gonna do next. And one of the guys that's helping me film showed up around 7:30 in the morning and we started chatting a little bit. I'm sitting here like feeling really bad, you know, really sorry for myself. Like kind of the way I was feeling at Bud's and Hell Week, same, similar thing. Like telling them, now I'm really close to the record at this point. I'm probably less than 70,000 feet away. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, I got eight days. I'm telling them I got eight days left. I can at least get the record. I mean, that's, that's no big deal. I can lump up for eight days. I can make that happen. And I'm sitting there thinking, that's probably what I'm going to do. I just, I just don't know if I can do much more than that. Sure enough, I get to go and get to limping again and limped out 18 and a half thousand that day, just up and down. And that was my lowest point right there in the morning, not knowing what I was going to do. I was also really sick. I had a pretty bad cold kicking me in the, kicking me in the ass for about a week. And so feeling horrible, legs hurting, just not knowing if I'm going to keep going, you know, like to the extent that I wanted to. Pushed through to 18 and a half. Didn't get quite the Everest, but 18 and a half was good enough for me. I felt good besides my leg. But after that, I realized that this physical pain I'm feeling can all be pushed through if I want to push through it. And that's really, that was the high point of my month, knowing that whatever I'm feeling now can be pushed through for the most part, unless, mm-hmm. you know, you break, you break your leg or whatever. Yeah. But that's completely different. And so I pushed through that. Next day, it's pretty much gone. 18 at K I'm on my quad next day. I wake up no pain anymore in my leg. And I'm like, let's go. <laughs> We're rocking and rolling. Wow. So wow. pretty stoked, pretty stoked, kind of back on track to 400 the way I originally wanted, you know, I have to average 15 K a day to get to where I wanted to be at 400 K. So doable. And I knew it was doable because last year I wanted 250 K and I had six days left to get 90. So I did the math. 15k a day six days in a row like well i've done it once i could do it again you know and here we are doing it again (laughs) (laughs) and man i think about three days into it i started having foot tendonitis Uh, and to the point where at the end of the days as soon as i would stop i couldn't walk anymore i was literally like hopping and limping up to my room into my bed whatnot it hurt real bad i mean my (laughs) foot was ridiculously swollen I think I pushed through that for three days and somehow that just completely went away as well. 
just gone, which was ridiculous because I'd never heard of tendonitis going away no. while you're still working through it, you know, working <laughs> on it. <laughs> right, right. So just, I guess, lucky again, you know, and lucky in a sense, you know, it still hurt, but it went away. And it was really stiff for the following days, but it was doable. And after feeling what I felt in my quad and pushing through for 18,000 feet, I knew that this is just sort of another one of those obstacles I got to figure out, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I figured it out. Yeah. It sounds like you did. And yeah, like I said earlier, the stars aligned, man. It sounds like a lot yep. of things went your way and yep, sure that's did. crucial. That's crucial for something like this, man. So that's, that's really cool. You mentioned that you have some coaches. Um, were yep. you, were you getting trained up specifically for this event or were you just too injured beforehand where you really couldn't do what you were supposed to do? Or what was that like? Oh, shoot. Did I lose you? Yeah. So I've been working with Sam Sara for probably six months now. And this is Zahan Villamora and Esther Smith. So mm-hmm. Zahan's a pretty large name in the community. Uh, no, you know, most of my training was really focused on Nolan's because that was my big objective for the uh, summer. And okay. that was really what I was getting ready for. So it's a little bit different style. And after I decided I wasn't going for that anymore, my training did, just got really small, like small loads, you know, not very large volume. And I mean, they helped me, you know, what they really helped me work with was the injuries, their injury prevention and the ways of dealing with my injuries throughout the month with like fast tissue or uh, what is it called? Soft tissue massaging and stuff like that, how to foam roll correctly and all those kinds of things. I mean, they, they helped me a lot with getting my pain to subside and just go away for the most part. And that's, they played a huge role in that. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. You also mentioned having a film crew with you. So, uh, yeah. explain that. And like, when are we going to be able to see this film? Yeah, man. So we're shooting, uh, we shot a short film. We're getting one last piece together. We're going to go interview Zahan here in a few weeks at Jackson, but my good friend Gabe, he's been, we've been friends for about a year now. And I met him while skiing with Julian uh, about a year ago. And we just started chatting, you know, we were originally going to make a short film about Nolan's and that obviously didn't happen. We got some film beforehand of me training and like all the stuff I was doing to get ready, but my plans and goals switch and change. And I think for the better, because this is something no one's done yet. And so I think that we'll have a little more credibility in the film. And uh, I don't know, it'll probably be ready in February, something like that. It's going to be okay. a short film. Uh, we're trying to get it into some film festivals and, see what happens hopefully yeah. inspire some people to go do hard things hell yeah no i love it yeah. man i think it's fantastic um Thanks. you're right though there hasn't really been uh um i mean there's been small films on nolan's but nothing oh, really yeah. magnificent i'd love to see a, just a, a big picture even if it's a half an hour an hour i'd love to see something that really just focuses on nolan's and tells all the ins and the outs and maybe yeah. your, your personal story as well that would be a really cool film yeah, I think you're right. And that's potentially our next project. Cool. Cool. I love Nolan's dude. So if you complete Nolan's, yeah. I'm definitely going to get you back on here. Um, Sick. I have as many Nolan's people on the show as I possibly can, because I, it's, it's a big one. That's kind of hanging over my head too. I've, I've, made oh, a few, yeah, man. I've made a few attempts at it and it's still hanging over my head. So eventually it's going to happen, but I, I love talking to all my Nolan's people and hearing all the little intricacies of each route that they took. And I just love hearing all yep. the details, but 
Um, it, it's a monster, man. I mean, ever since I moved here, I climbed my first 14 and I somehow ran into Nolan's online. I'm just like, I'm doing that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I know. Like, I, I got to do that one. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. But it's so hard to explain how difficult it is to people who've never spent yeah. any time out there too. Like I, I try and explain, yeah. you're going up and down avalanche shoots and scree gullies and, and people are just like, okay, whatever. They, it, it's hard yeah. to explain. They don't realize it. It's like, I took a picture and posted like the, the gut, the scree feel I ran down in Missouri. And it's like, it's stupid shit, you know, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. you're running that steep stuff. Oh and yeah. No one realizes that. Yeah. I know. It's so I cool know. though. I find it so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. So do I, ma'am. Explain to me what this last week was like in October. So you're looking at this record. Injuries are going away. Everything seems to be sort of lining up for you. How are you feeling like mentally, physically going into the last week of this project? Yeah, man. So after my birthday, mentally, I was just cruising. I knew there was nothing that was going to stop me, whether another injury popped up. So it was Knowing I, I knew I was going to get the goal after my birthday, like had that low point and then the high point knew immediately like, yeah, we're getting it no matter what it takes. And so the next day, the weather was horrible. And I actually, I flew home to Colorado because of how bad the weather was supposed to be the next three days. And so I came down to Denver, put some laps up in Morrison. If you know where that is, yep. Matt Morrison, I did a lot of laps there last year and man, the trail has gotten a lot worse. And so I ended up doing a lot shorter of a day than I planned on when I first got here. I only did like 8K, which made my last six days 16K days. So I had to do 16K six days in a row to get to 400. And once again, I knew it was possible because I did it once before, but only 1,000 feet less. What's 30 extra minutes, you know? So I didn't want to do Morrison again. So I went and drove down to the Springs and hit the Mantu incline with some guys that were competing down there. And man, that thing is a beast. <laughs> I did eight laps on that, like eight and a half, 16. And I was just thinking like the guys that are sitting here doing this every day are ridiculous. Oh, you there's know a lot saying? of them down there that do it every single day. Every day. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and I, after that first eight, I was like, yeah, I'm flying back to Utah. Like first thing in the morning, <laughs> I had some dude that was like, yeah, man, like I got a place for you to stay. Let's do it again tomorrow. And I'm like, no, <laughs> 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 I am not doing that. And I woke up the next day. My calves were so sore, sore yeah. as they've probably ever been in my life. And I'm like, damn, here we are again. <laughs> so did you go back to Utah a second time? Oh yeah. Flew right back to Utah. Yeah, no so I drove originally. So I was gonna I was gonna have to go back regardless. And I didn't know when that was gonna be. I thought I might have spent a couple of days at the incline because uh, less miles. Well, I realized that less miles means a lot steeper. <laughs> like a like a whole lot steeper. And it was a beating. I mean beating enough to where I didn't want to do it again. And I've yeah. been doing big days all month. So yeah. yeah. It was just easier back in Utah. I get back, the weather's good again. Next day, 16K, knock it out. I think that was my fastest day of the month. Second day, second 16K day in a row for the last week, which the next day was when the foot tendonitis showed up. Mm. And that's kind of when that all started coming down. And, you know, it was at, honestly like that, that sucked a lot, but it wasn't that big of a deal compared to the other ones because the other ones brought me to the mindset of knowing that. Yeah, it might hurt, but I'm going to push through it, you yeah. know? So yeah. 
really the last week was pretty pretty easy in a sense yeah. at least mentally you know physically it's still beating on the body but i mean it was just routine like i've been doing it for three weeks now and it just became routine just get up get your stuff together go hike get it done go home go to sleep yeah yeah but you're fitting this travel in there too man like that, that doesn't that doesn't make it things any easier like i'm picturing where mount morrison is and dia is so i'm guessing you're flying into dia going to one of the yeah. closest mountains and just trying to you know i need today's vert gotta get it gotta get it and then yeah you know, down to the colorado springs that's not too far away so like I'm, I'm mapping this out logistically in my mind and i'm like man this guy is just getting after it <laughs> You know, those three days definitely threw a curveball, like the whole mental game, just because the three or two and a half weeks leading up to that, I was doing the exact same thing every day. Yeah. It's like now I don't have my truck. I have a small car to do all my stuff in and it just makes it a lot different. Yeah. yeah. And I could, I could feel it instantly. I was like, I need to get back to where, you know, I'm in a mm-hmm. groove. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which the incline was hard. I did four laps before I'd go in and grab a little bit of lunch. And after the four laps, I sat down in the car and I was like, man, I don't know if I want to go back up. Like that sucked. And I'm like <laughs> about to pass out from probably bonking without having enough calories. Sure enough, I go back up there and then second half was easier than the first. So that oh. was cool. <laughs> um, and then the last day, was that another 16 K day? 16 K. Yep. Okay. So I started at, I think five or 6 a.m. just so I could be done early. And of course, another injury happens the last day of the month. <laughs> I uh, step on a rock wrong and sprain the inside of my uh. ankle. So every lap, my ankle's just getting worse and worse, like just more and more painful. I'm like, man, this just needs to be over. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like, I know I'm going to get it, but like, this is easy. Yeah. But it was a great day, though. Was it like a celebration day? Did you have a bunch of people out there with you supporting yeah. you? Yeah. So my parents flew in, my brother wow. flew in, my best friend growing up flew in. Julian actually flew in too, the guy that runs Cirque Series. Uh, film crew flew in, which we had a guy out there helping us, but the main guy that's been you know putting all together from here in Colorado, he flew in. And then all the people that I met on the trail, like probably at least 15 of those people were up at the top of the hill waiting for me and so Dang. i'm hiking out with my teammates super stoked i actually hit 400k like 500 feet before i got to them so like we have our own little oh y'all let's go <laughs> and then and then we cruise to the top and it was uh it was a good time you know seeing all the people i love and care about up there and people that i met throughout the month that have helped support both physically and mentally and just you know every aspect of the whole thing yeah yeah it's really cool that's really cool. And the best, and the best part, we had a bottle. Well, I had a bottle of Blantons, if you know what that is. It's a uh, pretty good bourbon. You know, I, uh-huh. I bought it five years ago when I knew I was going to join the Navy, try the seal stuff. I was saving it for after buds, uh-huh. which I didn't complete. And so that bottle has been saved ever since for the next biggest thing I do. And that and was it. Got to, finally, got to open it. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible, man. Um, do you have any idea where the film's going to be released when it comes out? Is it just going to be where? YouTube? Yeah, where? Is it just going to be YouTube or is it going to be somewhere else? That's a great question, honestly. But sure. I'll make sure to get you, uh, I'll make sure to send it over to you for sure. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. 
Um, wow, man. Uh, just an incredible, incredible effort performance. Um, so you mentioned Leadville as uh, hopefully in the future. Do you have any other, I mean, it sounds like you do well at these big ass 250 mile races too. Like, is that something that's in I your... would love to do that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All, all, all of the above, you know, I just don't really know where to start because I have other goals. I would do like, you know, Nolan's or even trying maybe the unsupported FKT on all the 14ers, like those kind mm. of goals really, really catch my eye for the yeah. most part. Yeah. But also the ultra running aspect too. It's like, I've known, I, I really want to dig into it and you know, I, every ultra runner's goal is to go to UTMB probably. So it's like, I want to stack points for that, you know, and mm-hmm. just kind of the whole nine yards of hard rock would be sick. Yeah. Yeah. Going to the Barkley would be sick, even yeah. though who knows if you're going to finish it or not, but it'd be so cool. Hell yeah. You know? yeah. Really any of those things like ultra running is obviously hard, both physically and mentally. And so it's very attractive to me. Yeah. Well, I think you would do really well at it. Um, are you looking into, are you like actively looking into getting into Leadman next year? Yeah, just a little bit. You know, I don't know how the lottery system really works. I know there is a lottery system, to believe. But think, like worst case scenario, what were you going to say? I was going to say like right around now is the time to do it. Like November, December, okay. I think is when you want to get your name in for Leadville or for Leadman rather. And your chances cool. of getting in is are easier if you're signed up for Leadman. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it sounds like because less people want to do the lead man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rightfully so. <laughs> <laughs> no, that every sounds year that... a lot more. It sounds like a lot more my speed. Oh, dude. Yeah. No, there's so much respect to all the lead men and women out there every single year because uh, I'll go out there and cheer for the 100 mile runners. And, you know, the lead man's wear a different bib. And so everyone yeah. always calls out, like, yeah, lead man. And they know what that guy's done. Like, it's, it's oh, legit, yeah. man. You get your respect out there for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, Coca Dona 250 is another one you should look into, man, because that doesn't, I don't think there's a lottery or even a waiting list right now. That race is really? in April or no, it's in May in Arizona. And I think at this point, you can still just sign up online right now. Oh, awesome. I'm going to check yeah. that out. Yeah, you should, man. That would be very cool. Yeah. Well, listen, man, this was a cool conversation and hats off to you and the huge accomplishment. <laughs> So when you set a world record, like what happens? Does the Guinness Book of World Records come to your house and like? <laughs> or, I wish it was like. Or is that, it really low know, key? <laughs> it's a lot of logistics. So we're working on the Guinness side of things right now. You really? know, the world record it's set. That's kind of what happened. But originally, like before we even started, Julian signed me up for uh, the Guinness Book of World Records attempt, and so we got all that in the books, like ready to rock. So they knew I was attempting it. And so now I'm working on getting all the logistics put together, sent over to them and whatnot. It's a lot. I mean, it's going to take me once I actually sit down and start doing it probably close to like five days of getting everything together the way it needs to be. So they actually accept it. Wow. So hopefully that'll be next. (laughs) Dude. It's so cool. I mean, 400 K I just can't even imagine, dude. Like I said, I spend a lot of time in the mountains. So I kind of have an idea what 400 K looks like. Like, you know, I can picture 15, 16 K days. I know what that looks like, but day after day after day, dude, hats off, man. That's brutal. It's a, it was a whole month. (laughs) And, um, we can find you on Instagram, right? If anyone wants to look you up, they can find you there. Yep. I'm a Chris J fish. Sweet. Cool. At Chris J fish. 
Yeah. Right on, dude. We'll just keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to keep an eye on you over the next couple of years. And uh, if you do Nolan's, you're definitely coming back on the show. and going to tell me every gritty detail, man. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Cool, brother. Hey, well, congrats. Thanks for doing this. You. Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much. Keep it, it was up, a good man. talk. Cool. Hey, have a good rest of your day, brother. You too. You too. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening, you guys. What did you think? Give me a shout. Let me know. Remember to subscribe, like, share, review. We are on Patreon as Do Big Things. That is patreon.com slash do big things. Follow us and support us there. I can't keep this thing going without you guys. For the price of a cup of coffee, you can support us for a whole month. Thank you so much to all of our supporters. I love you guys. We want to thank our sponsors. First of all, Exoskin. They make a full range of apparel from hats to socks and everything in between. Exoskin is the only seamless athletic apparel brand that is made in the U.S. Their stuff is tremendous at providing protection from chafing, blisters, hot spots, and odor. If you're into anything outdoors and you haven't bought any of their stuff, you are slipping, Jack. Their shorts, socks, shirts, and hats have been through some of the most challenging and rigorous races in the world. And they stand behind their products with a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you wear it and you're not convinced, send it back for a full refund. So you have nothing to lose. Check them out. Exoskin.us. Use our promo code BTC, all caps, for Big Things Crewing. And that is a 15% promo code, you guys. This podcast is also brought to you by On Pace Wellness. Will Benitez is working with some of the finest athletes around, and he's helping them find even more success. Will's a certified nutritionist, and he knows what's what when it comes to diet and nutrition. You want to take your game to the next level? Contact On Pace Wellness. Maybe you're not an elite athlete, and you just want to be healthier and feel better on the day-to-day. Maybe you just need a little guidance. Contact On Pace Wellness. Mention this podcast, and he's going to give you a 10% discount and get you properly tuned up for success. Last but not least, this podcast is brought to you by Athletic Brewing, the finest non-alcoholic craft beer on the market. Have yourself a tasty beer or two without all the negative side effects. You can have one in the middle of the day, not have to worry about driving. You can have a couple at night, not have to worry about being groggy in the morning. There's no hangover with this stuff because there is no alcohol. Check out athleticbrewing.com. Use my discount code, McRobertsA20, all caps, for 20% off the best non-alcoholic beer around. Buy two six-packs or more, and you don't have to worry about shipping costs. Enjoy the taste without the hangover. Remember, guys, life is short. Do big things, baby. Pedro, take us for a run.